It's the 95.3 WBCK Morning Show with Lacey James. Good morning. We got a lot coming up today. Of course, uh, we're going to talk with uh, David Gilbert for your Miles for Memory moment. Today's topic is going to be focused on scam calls and how to spot them. And in just a couple minutes here, actually less than a couple minutes, we're going to be talking with Nina instead. Nina is the host of Already Gone True Crime Podcast. Her podcast has been recognized nationally as one of the best in the true crime genre. We're going to talk about a grisly unsolved child murder from the 70s, local missing and murdered woman Amber Griffin, and Missing in Michigan, a nonprofit organization operated by both members of law enforcement and volunteers that looks to help families of the missing. And good morning, Nina. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Lacey. I'm well. Thanks for having me. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I've been doing the Already Gone podcast for about five and a half years. And about three years ago, I uh, volunteered to help out at Missing in Michigan doing missing persons advocacy and outreach. So between the two of those, I uh, keep very busy. I would say so. And you actually have a bit of a radio background in your family. Yes, both of my grandfathers worked in radio. Uh, one was an engineer and one was on-air talent. And it doesn't surprise me because you got a fantastic voice. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and uh, so the reason we we are talking with this morning is um, we wanted to talk about Valerie Bishop. Now, who is Valerie Bishop? Valerie Bishop was a 10-year-old girl who lived on Detroit's west side in the 1970s with her family. And in February of 1977, she was going up to the corner store to buy milk for the next day's breakfast for her and her siblings, and someone assaulted her. She was beaten and sexually assaulted, and her body was left in a snowbank in in an alley. And nobody, I mean, somebody was charged with the crime, but they were not convicted, right? They arrested a man whose yard she was found in, and he had blood on his clothing, but they, because of testing at the time in the 1970s, they didn't have the technology that we have now. They um, released him for lack of evidence because the blood testing that they could do showed that it could have been her blood or his blood. They had the same blood type. And it was uh, one of the most common blood types as well. Yes. Yes. So they they didn't feel there was enough evidence to carry it over for trial. And the case has literally been sitting in a box in a warehouse somewhere in Detroit. I've confirmed that the vial still exists and the biological material still exists. So for the last almost three years, I've been pressing Detroit police to please reopen the investigation, test the materials that they have. The suspect in the case is still alive and still lives in the city of Detroit. And I'm really hoping we can get some attention, if not from Detroit police and maybe from our attorney general, Dana Nessel, and see if we can at least get the materials tested and get her case talked about again. She was 10 years old. And she still has family as well that uh, would like to see this solved. And you've kind of uh, started a campaign asking for Michigan's attorney general to reopen this case and even offered to pay for the testing. Yes, absolutely. I've offered to pay for any testing that needs to be done so that they can't say that, well, we don't have a budget for it. And um, again, I'm hoping that Detroit police or the attorney general will reach out and do the right thing and get these materials tested. Um, Valerie's mom is still alive. And and she's still hoping that they'll do something. And there were other children um, that had been found murdered around that time as well in the same area. 
Yes, this was the time of the Oakland County child killings, but Valerie's case was not found to be related to those cases. Um, but it's still, you know, all the attention that case received, it would be nice to see Valerie's case get something similar. And do you think it's possible that uh, Valerie's case could be connected with the Oakland County child killer? No. The the methodology, the way that Valerie was killed, is extremely different from the other cases. So I, I don't think that she is necessarily related other than chronologically. She sort of sits right in the middle of um, if she was part of that series of killings, she would be the fourth killing and then Tim King's murder came after that and his was the final case and uh, we're going to take a quick break right now and then when we come back I want to talk a little bit about uh, missing in Michigan okay great and if you're just joining us uh, we're talking with already gone true crime podcast host Nina instead and uh, we forgot to talk about something before we went to the break. How can people help with the Valerie Bishop case? How can they help raise awareness? You know, if you're on Twitter, I'm at Already Gone Pod, and I've tweeted about Valerie's case copying Dana Nessel and Detroit Police. Um, you could retweet it. You could reach out via the contact forms on Dana Nessel's the State Attorney General website and ask her to please take a look at and reopen the 1977 murder of 10-year-old Valerie Bishop. Okay. And uh, Missing in Michigan, tell us a little bit about that. So Missing in Michigan was founded by a Michigan State Police trooper named Sarah Krebs, and she wanted an opportunity um, to use social media as a way to boost information about missing persons cases. And police departments do a fantastic job. We love working with them. But social media isn't always their strong suit, and that's where we come in. We get the information out there on social media, the person's name, their picture, where they were last seen, vehicle information, as much information as possible to help the public be an asset to law enforcement in missing persons cases. And Sarah uh, Sarah Krebs, Trooper Sarah Krebs, uh, she's actually the head of the Michigan State Police Missing Persons Unit, isn't she? She was. She's now a Lieutenant Krebs and is working in a different position. But she still has an eye on missing in Michigan and is very committed to missing persons cases. And if people wanted to get some help from missing in Michigan, uh, how would they go about that? We are on Facebook. Um, We have a group of almost 75,000 people called Missing in Michigan. We also have a website, which is Missing in Mitch, M-I-S-S-I-N-G, I-N-M-I-C-H dot org, where they can find information, or they can reach out to me, Nina Instead, on Facebook, and I'm happy to help with missing persons cases. And it's kind of how you and I became in contact with each other, was through through this group and trying to help others. Yes, because you've been an amazing asset to our organization and our goals, and you're very valuable. We really appreciate you. Oh, that's very kind of you to say. You're quite valuable as well, and I don't think we'd be we'd be talking here today had it not been for your efforts. Um, and we also wanted to talk about a local case. Um, I know you and I talked quite a bit with uh, about Gabby Petito and how the coverage on that is so different than how it is for a lot of other missing persons. 
It's true. Gabby's case really captured the attention of the public, but a big part of that was the way that the media was focused on every little detail of her case. And um, someone said, well, it's a really, you know, it's a really compelling case. It's a really compelling story. Well, we have a lot of missing people with really compelling stories that you haven't heard of. They're just not getting the attention that Gabby did, which can be frustrating for families. Right. And for somebody like, uh, you know, the mom and the children of Amber Griffin, um, they probably feel like maybe there would have been uh, more conclusion, perhaps even locating Amber, um, you know, if they could have gotten the same kind of media attention that uh, Gabby's case did. Yes. And there were a lot of parallels between the two cases with being in a, in a difficult relationship with a difficult partner, um, the possibility of um, domestic violence in the relationship and then her going missing and the family saying, wait, what is, you know, what is going on and asking for help? Unfortunately, um, Amber did not get the attention that Gabby's case did. But the good news is that there was an arrest in Amber's case, and hopefully we're going forward with a trial at the start of next year. Um, yes. Uh, her boyfriend, um, uh, what was the name? Derek Horton. I don't know why I was thinking Anthony Horton. Derek Horton um, will be going to trial. He he has uh, been charged in her murder, um, even though Amber's remains have not been found. Um, there was also another arrest in the case, Julius Haggerty, one of uh, Horton's friends, um, for being an accessory after the fact. And a lot of police uh, have said that they believe that he knows more um, than he's willing to say and that there are other people in this community who, who very well may have information that could uh, lead to this case being completely closed, which we think we know what happened. Um, we believe that she was the victim of domestic violence um, and that it led to her death. Um, but to date, we have not been able to locate her body, which is something that weighs very heavily on her family. Um, anybody with information could contact uh, Calhoun County Dispatch or the Silent Observer Line if you wanted to be anonymous there. Um, do you have any advice? Let's say for Amber's family, what could they do right now to try to help get the word out more? You know, social media is a great tool that's free that people can use to get the word out about a missing person. In Amber's case, I know they've worked well with the press. Her mom has done interviews and news stories. Um, and I really feel like her family's done everything right. Unfortunately, it just hasn't been enough to locate Amber's remains and bring her home to her family. Um, I also think that if we could locate Amber, it would really be a help to the prosecutor who will be trying this case. Yeah, that is correct. And uh, there is a social media page that our family, um, her mother started. It's uh, Justice for Amber Griffin, Bring Her Home, and you can find that on Facebook. And uh, do you, why don't you tell us again how we can help Valerie? You know, if you want to help Valerie Bishop's case, there's a couple of things you can do. If you're on Twitter, you can retweet the information about Valerie. Ask Dana Nessel, ask the Detroit police to please reopen the investigation test the evidence that they have in hand. And also, if you um, don't have Twitter, you can go to the state attorney general website and fill out the information form there, asking them to please reopen the 1977 case of Valerie Bishop from Detroit. And thank you so much, Nina. It's Nina instead. She's the host of Already Gone True Crime Podcast. She's an advocate for the missing and uh, one of the many volunteers that works with Missing in Michigan, which you can also find on Facebook. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Nina. Thanks for having me. Have a great morning. You as well.
and we'll talk to you again real soon. It is 824 and 36 degrees in Battle Creek.